1: Welcome to Episode 183 with uh, with my guest, Jason Nash. I'm Paul Gilmartin. This is the Mental Illness Happy Hour. Uh, two hours of honesty about all the battles in our heads from medically diagnosed conditions, past traumas, and sexual dysfunction to everyday compulsive negative thinking. This show is not meant to be a substitute for professional mental counseling. It's not a doctor's office. I'm not a therapist. It's more like a waiting room that doesn't suck. The website for this show is mentalpod.com. Go check it out. Please join the forum. There's a gazillion different threads on all kinds of subjects. Join it. Get to know people. You'll find out that you are most definitely uh, not alone. You can also read blogs on the uh, on the website, and you can support the show financially, and um, that's other stuff that I always forget. Oh, and you can search uh, use our Amazon search portal uh, when you're going to shop at Amazon, and that way we uh, we get a little support from Amazon. Uh, let's get to it. This is a struggle in a sentence survey this was filled out by a listener uh um who has filled out surveys previously um Katla and uh Katla is uh, a transgender female and she writes uh Her struggles are depression. I have no energy to do anything, no desire to do anything, and no strength to discuss the problem. That one really hit me was that no strength to discuss the problem. That is so often the thing that makes depression so insidious is that you don't even want to talk about it. Um, Another issue that she has, gender dysphoria. Uh, She writes, like, my body isn't part of me. I only exist in what I see and think. The rest of me is just my body and not part of who I am. Snapshot from her life. Changing the volume on the TV, the number has to end up divisible by five or a square of an integer, e.g. 9, 16, 25, 36, 49, uh, even if that makes it a little bit too loud. Knocking on a door has to be a pattern that I can acknowledge, not necessarily the same pattern every time, but if I'm in the middle of a pattern, I do need to finish it. Same survey filled out by a guy who calls himself Benji Tuntworth about his codependency. If you're mad at me, it's because I'm a bad person. Wow, that one really, really uh, resonated with me. Snapshot from his life. I'm frequently emotionally unavailable because I don't know the, quote, right thing to say. When confronted about it, I lock up more and start wishing I could die. This is filled up by Lily. Um... She writes about uh, experiencing racial bias. I am dark-skinned and my family is mostly light-skinned. While growing up, boys would say things like, I only date light-skinned girls, people, um, people always comparing my sister and I, etc. Whenever I go to concert, concerts, I feel like people are staring at me because I am usually one of the very few black people there. It makes me feel like I'm hated and don't belong. I'm very aware that I am black and feel hurt by racism all the time because I'm very sensitive. You know what I would say when you hear guys say, I only date light-skinned girls? You should say, I only date guys with character. (laughs) That would be a nice comeback. Uh, This is filled out by a guy who calls himself Jaded Bitter Joy Crusher. How do I not read his survey? What an awesome name. Uh... One of his uh, struggles is Tourette's. He writes, like a super volcano in my nervous system, but instead of lava, it's ready to erupt with, your mother sucks cocks in hell, and then punch me in the face, literally. Um, I don't know if he means he's punching himself in the face, or the person he's saying that to is punching him in the face. Uh, Another struggle he has is, uh, he writes, classic autism. Watching more and more people talk about Asperger's as a, quote, gift while, quote, classic or severe autism is still a tragedy, sickens me. Thank you for sharing that. Um, this was filled out by a woman who calls herself uh, P. Zero Fun. Um, and she's a teenager, and she writes about her dermatillomania. I can't stop picking. but I wor- That means skin picking. I can't stop picking, um, but I worry about picking, so it makes me pick more. Snapshot from her life. Um, Having an anxiety attack in English class a couple months ago, we're supposed to be taking notes from a video that we're watching. I'm usually a great note taker, but I just couldn't concentrate. I sat at my desk while my palms became more and more sweaty, my heart beating loudly, my vision going blurry as I looked straight down at my notes paper, which was now covered in large looping squiggles. Despite having two more classes to go, I skipped and sat outside the rest of the day, shivering and fighting the urge to bang my head against the wall. When I told my English teacher what happened the next day, she was actually really understanding and let me watch the video after school a couple of days later. That could almost be an awful uh, an awful moment. This is a snapshot from Allison's life, and she writes, I feel like my anxiety and depression is so overlooked and not acknowledged by a lot of family members that on an almost daily basis, I pray that I'll get cancer. I feel like I need a real reason for my family, specifically my grandparents, to understand how awful I feel. I know that if I had a disease that was physically visible to an outsider, everyone would care. Boy, I think there's a lot of us that feel feel that way. And I see that a lot on the surveys, as people want... A physical manifestation of their soul sickness. Um, A woman calling herself Rainy Sunday writes about her anorexia. Like an old cherished friend who promises to keep all my dirty secrets as long as I keep her happy. Wow, that one's profound. Snapshot from her life. I have no energy or desire to be around people. I have a job and small social circle. And I'm often forced to pretend like I give a fuck. And I'm interested in their lives or our lives. Really, I'm not interested. The conversation exhausts me, and I can only smile and nod and ask the right questions for so long until I feel like I'll melt into the floor. All I'm thinking about is when it would be socially acceptable for me to remove myself from the situation and return home to my cat. I love to sleep. I'm happiest in life when I'm just about ready to fall asleep and my body feels warm and tired and my mind is 95% turned off and I know I'll be unconscious for a few wonderful, glorious hours and I won't have to deal with any shit or think or worry or pretend. Sometimes I also gain a huge amount of relief when I realize that maybe, just maybe, I'll die peacefully in my sleep and I'll never wake up again. Man, there's a lot of people that feel that way, myself included. And um, sending you a hug. Evelyn writes about her depression, uh, her bipolar, constantly hanging by a thread, trying not to fall into either a pit of soul-crushing despair or uncontrollable energy while always being reminded I'm not normal and never will be. Snapshot from her life. Every time I go out with friends, I can't quiet the thoughts in my head that say I have too many issues for them to love me. I put on a facade of happiness while I think about how much I want to kill myself. I'm sorry; these are kind of on the dark side, but I print these out and read them based on um, on how uh, eloquent I, I, I think they are. When I when I hear somebody read, when I hear somebody write one that just goes right to my core, and I'm like, "Oh my God, that's." I can picture it. If not if not feel it, picture it. Um, I feel compelled to, to read these. <laughs> this guy's name kills me. Jerk face asshole. Um, about his bulimia, he writes, self-hatred. I have no self-control when it comes to shoving it in, but I can pretend that I'm in control when I force it out. About his OCD, my shoes aren't tied tight enough. Try again. Still again. The bows are crooked. I need new laces. Snapshot from his life, I'm way too good at repression. I cram it all so deep that not even I can find it unless I'm driving. Um, Chase writes about self-injury, I bite myself to make bruises others don't see. It's a way of coping that stays with me all day like reassurance and proof that I'm real and I matter. Snapshot from her life, my parents recently came to visit. They know about my anxiety, so my mom promised they would try not to stress me out. I worked nights, and while they were here, uh, I got 11 from a Wednesday to a Sunday. I got 11 hours of sleep total. When they were getting ready to leave, my mother said pleadingly, make me proud. I responded weakly, probably not. She replied, make God proud? Even she knows that would be easier. Wow. That is deep. Um, two more. Layla writes about her anxiety. I'm so afraid of pain and death that it makes me crave pain and death. Snapshot from her life. I spent maybe around three months at university. I spent the whole time locked in my room. I had no roommate, avoiding people, crying and eating junk food. It was the best time of my life. And then finally, a woman calling herself Sunshine writes about her depression. Uh, like I'm ice skating. And under the ice is a racing river, and I'm constantly aware that at any moment when I'm not looking, the ice could crack, and I'll be stuck underneath, watching everyone skating happily above, while I thud hopelessly on the ice below. About her OCD, my brain sorts everything I see into categories and patterns, and when something doesn't fit, it gets chucked into a junk bin somewhere in the back of my mind. So the front is all organized just so, And the leftover bits are too complicated to think about. About her codependency, if I'm not there when you're upset to wipe your tears, cook for you, wake you up every day, there's a pretty good chance you'll die. On second thought, copy and paste that into narcissism.
0: Oh God, I wish I didn't need to take meds. Cried like an animal. It makes me so mad at myself that I do that.
1: The burden of perfectionism.
0: And that's when I got to therapy.
1: Let's talk about that. So I was like,
2: fuck it. I'm alive. I don't give a shit about anything.
1: You are a shining example of what is best about human beings.
0: I'm worried that the uh, Russian militia is coming over the hill. I know that, uh, but uh, Alice, how you feeling? I'm pretty good. Pretty
1: good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here with Jason Nash, who is a, a comedian, director, writer we've known of each other for uh a while but we've never we've never sat down and talked and uh i watched your your movie jason nash is uh is married and i and i loved it and you had been suggested um jimmy pardo was like oh i think he would be i think he would be a great guest Uh and um and i watched your movie and i was like Oh yeah, this this guy's, uh, this guy's definitely in touch with his <laughs> neuroses and he's done some contemplative thinking about uh, his life and his place in the world and relationships and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, um, I'm an open wound. <laughs> 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 Those
1: are my favorite kind of wounds. Yeah. Uh, where are you from originally? Boston. Okay. Yeah. Um,
2: where, where's a good place to start with your story? Are you married in real life? He, no, I made that all up about married people. I researched married people. I live with them. For, no, yes, I am totally, oh, okay. totally married. <laughs> had, Wouldn't that be funny? It had all the all
1: the details of somebody who was who was definitely married. Isn't that married.
2: funny? Like when you, I know when you do something and you're you're a comic. Like, don't you have people say that too? Like, oh, Paula's, that's, that's so funny. You made that up. And you're like, okay. oh, no, no, there's no way I could have made up 20 years of, you know, drinking and, <laughs> you know, what I mean? right, like there's it. just, I, I don't know, I don't know who makes stuff up. I could, <laughs> I couldn't, I'm not that smart and.
1: And I think it's, a, hold on one second. I just I want to, time. would you do me a favor and turn your
2: Mine's phone. Off. Mine is off. Yeah, okay. I shut it off. All
1: right. Yeah, we're good. Mine was making some noise. We're good on my end.
2: Um, What
1: were we talking about? Yeah, we were just oh, talking about. Uh, yeah, the what? detail of.
2: Yeah, I'm married yeah i'm I'm, ma- I'm married and uh been married to the same woman for 10 years first marriage kids two kids and was way not ready for any of it didn't didn't know who i was and that's what the movie's about it's about when when you find love and you haven't found yourself and um just was not ready jumped into it figured ah oh, it-
1: I'll figure it out. Everything's
2: worked out for me so far. (laughs) You know, like I I went through life, a lot of my life that I had this false sense of hope and false sense of confidence. Like it's, yeah, things are going to be great. I was funny in high school and I'll, you know, I'll be a millionaire. I'll be a billionaire <laughs> yeah, with no backup at all, it's, it's no training. So many
1: of us move here with you know, that. And, like yeah. I am going to charm the world the way I, I charmed uh, you know, yeah,
2: whoever. Yeah, and I had all these friends. I thought I was hilarious, you know. And oh my, you got you, you're going to be on Saturday Night Live. I'm like, yeah, probably, you know. And then I just. Things were going good. Then I came to LA and I I had some things going and then I just took a couple of hits and then I was just like, confidence done. When did that happen? It happened about the time that I got married because when I would take hits before, I'd be like, eh, whatever, let's go out. Then suddenly I was down and I had to like go look at somebody and I didn't like that at all. So then I sort of stopped trying what do you mean you were down and you had to go look at somebody? So you go to like, say you have a big set to get in, you know, say you audition for Mad TV mm-hmm. and it doesn't go well. And then it's like... I don't have to imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that too. I auditioned for it and you, it did not go well. And mine didn't go well either. And uh, I was also drunk at it. but um, But, yeah, so then that just became like... Rather than trying to have a career, which which I I hated failing at, I just kind of like went into my wife's life and and just led her life.
1: I see. And did she become the breadwinner?
2: Yeah, she she yeah made way more money than me. Okay. Yeah. Well,
1: it's interesting because if you could take your ego out of it, that would be awesome. That's right. Because it'd be like yeah to you know independently. Yeah. We're struggling, but together we make this great unit. But yeah, I didn't like that. I couldn't. I couldn't stand. I couldn't that,
2: stand myself. Do you think that's because it's a male thing, or do you think any partner would feel that way? That's a good question. I'm surprised when I when I see a. This um, <laughs> is going to sound horrible, but like uh, when I see a. a, a well, yeah, I, I'm surprised that that women are happy staying home with the kids. I'm, sur- I'm surprised that that they, they are, and I'm surprised that there are men that want to do that. I can't imagine that wanting to do that. you know well, it I, is ego, I guess I suppose so when I think society's the way it's portrayed
1: it that it's that it's okay for women um but that we just don't see that many men as stay at home dads that right. are that are you know clapped for or said you know that's that's very noble I, I personally i think anybody who can stay home and raise kids is my hat's off to them they must be incredibly patient and
2: uh yeah it, i think it's a great thing i can't do it i don't have the patience and i didn't feel it's just not who i wanted to be so i wanted to accomplish something in life my my parents and that's not an accomplishment raising your kids uh, yeah, I guess I never saw it that it was, because my parents they just failed and failed and failed, and always were trying to like keep us above water. Failed financially, yeah, or emotionally, yeah. Hor- emotionally, my mother was fantastic. My father was very horror was horrible, horrifying. And um and so and also we were like evicted from a lot of apartments and a lot and getting kicked out and having to move. And I just was like. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna make a lot of money. I'm gonna, oh, I'm, gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna. So it brings all that shit. Yeah, up. yeah, yeah. I'm my dad. That's right, that's right. I mean, I had a moment with my father probably like five years ago where I was like, oh, I got this thing I'm doing and it's gonna work. I know it's gonna work, you know? And it was like a TV idea or whatever. Mm-hmm. Of course it didn't work. And he said to me, he sort of cut me off and he said, well, I have this thing that's going to work and it's a real estate deal and it's down in providence and uh and i was just looking at him like oh fuck you, you know? can't even be there for your kid for 30 seconds and not even that but also just like oh I'm, i i am him yeah i turned into mm-hmm. him you know and i just wanted it so badly i i wanted i couldn't go out i'm so i'm so enamored with comedy what did you want so badly his, his, I wanted his affection or success. I wanted I wanted res- respect from my peers. I wanted to do something too. I wanted to contribute something. All my friends, I wanted to feel good about myself. All my friends seemed to be doing things that they wanted to do and accomplishing things, and I wanted to to do that. And so when I was around them, I didn't. I couldn't even be out at parties and stuff. I would just feel like, oh, I haven't done anything. I've had that I've had that feeling. Uh, yeah, you're right.
1: It, it's, That's oh, why I don't I don't and, hang and out it, with comics. It's especially when it's comics that are that are really successful. And I don't, you know, I know there's some listeners that are like, oh God, they're go talking about show business again. But just this isn't specific to show business. You know, imagine, not at all. Imagine any field. Um there's going to be politics involved. There's going to be people advancing that you feel are, are less talented than you. And there, there's no mer- – it's not a meritocracy. So yeah. it, it can kill your soul if you expect it to be a, a meritocracy. And when you get in that room of people that um, make you truly feel like, oh, my God, I am less talented than, than all these people, it's so hard because you just feel like I'm never going to get a piece of the pie. I'm never um, – but – don't you think it's an illusion at, at a certain point because then you're always, if you can't decide that that you're going to enjoy your life how it is exactly as it is today and you exactly as you are today, you're always going to be looking at that next rung of the ladder and thinking that yeah. that's nirvana and you're never going to be satisfied. I mean, personally, I had to make that decision uh, years ago and I feel like I'm, Definitely okay. That doesn't mean I don't dream about something else happening, but um I just think it's such a it's such a myth, but it's so
2: real when it presents itself. I don't know how to do that. I don't I don't know how to be satisfied. Talk, talk about
1: what you feel and think when you're when you're in that party and you're starting to feel less than.
2: You start to get panicky. Yeah, I'm I'm there and I'm like Well mostly Mostly lately, what happens is it's a lot of conversations about, for the age that I am, it's a lot of conversations about people who are getting cancer, people dying. My kid took up the violin. You're 76. Yeah. I was at this dinner on Saturday night and I was with a bunch of couples and I was just like, is this it? I was like, is it? Are we just, are we really talking about people that are dying for the whole time? How old are you? I'm 40. Okay. And it's just like, I want to. I want to. I want to like have an exciting life. You know what I mean. And I always want to be like doing new things. And so, I'm getting off topic. But I guess. I guess. Yeah. I guess I would go out to parties. I would go to. Let's say like a Comedy Central would throw a party, and there was like a feeling of like, maybe it was self-imposed, but it's not. It's like you start talking. I. I have had. I have. There is a group. There's a couple of friends of my wives, very successful, and. I will say hello and they will just t- turn their back, turn their back on me. This woman did it July 4th at, uh we were at a thing and I said, uh, I won't say her name, hey Rachel, she looked right at me. I was like, how many fucking times over like 15 years are you going to ignore me? And uh not even a hello,
1: not even a really
2: just- weird. Re- re- it's just a thing. It's like. Was your dick out?
1: Because that sometimes that does have an effect. I don't think so. You weren't grabbing her her boobs.
2: No, I was. I mean, oh, I was okay. grabbing her boobs. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, and, and I had my own thumb in my ass.
1: Yeah, but it was your thumb.
2: It my was own your, thumb. It, was it wasn't her thumb. thumb. Yeah. So you you had respective brown respectful boundaries. Yeah. So yeah, I just thought that uh, I, I yeah I was just walking around. I just wanted to do something so badly. I wanted to. I don't know. I, I guess. I, I guess that's why. I guess I might. I wanted to. It was an ego thing, for sure. You know something that I try to keep in mind when I have those things because immediately
1: I want to go to the place. If you fucking cocksucker, you think you're better than me. In my mind, um, I try to think. I, I try have compassion for that person and say they must be really trapped in their head they must be really walking around in fear and they're just looking for somebody that they think can help them and they see me as somebody that can't help them and they if, if anything they I, I want to go hug that person more than anything but, yeah. I, but I agree with you I I can't go to those parties I can't I, I honestly feel safer in a support group full of ex-gang members right. that shot heroin than I than I do it at a at a Hollywood party. Now a group of my comedian friends who are close friends, yeah, I feel very safe around them and I have a good time. But yeah. you go outside that half dozen or eight guys and it's I I can't wait to get
2: home. And, and that's exactly right. Well, that's what how someone else explained to me about her was like that's what well that's what she does. She lords her power over people. She ignores because yeah, like, I guess she's a kind of powerful person or whatever and uh and you know what when it happened this weekend it didn't bother me as much because i was like oh i i I have the movie i did the movie i have that then she can't you know
1: well let's talk about who who you are and how you feel about yourself underneath the work yeah where who who is this gonna sound really fucking phil donahue or or whatever or an older reference um
2: who and I mean count remember Daryl yeah, Hammond's yeah. invitation who
1: is Jason Nash <laughs> underneath the, <laughs> underneath the, Jason Nash is married that's the worst Phil down ever. I wish Todd Glass was right here so he could do a a fill down who who are you? You take your work away yeah and and who who are you?
2: I'm just somebody who really wants to have fun and make people feel good and just. Um have a constant stream of activity and um and 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 meeting new people and and making other people feel good that's really who I am
1: well, you know what's funny is when I see like on social media that you know you're like i saw you you know you had this movie coming out. And I get this little twinge every time I see that, that somebody's got something sure. produced by Comedy Central or sure. whatever, and I get a little twinge of, I'm not in that league. I'm not in that. So uh, you uh, can uh, you can also make other people feel that way. I, I know that's certainly not your intention when you got the movie was, sure. um, but, but just know that. That's the illusion is that there are other people that you're going, oh, my God, I wish I could be that successful that are feeling unsuccessful themselves. And I know you probably feel that
2: that way. But but I spent my entire career up until two weeks ago feeling that way. I mean, you know, 15 years of just depression and. And what happened to... to Suicide, to, to, to be, kill myself or run away from my family or... You said two w- weeks ago or two years ago? Well, when the movie came out. Okay, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago the movie came out and it did amazing and we did way better than anyone would thought and people mm-hmm. actually liked it and and then that, that really changed everything. And it, it made me feel good for the first mm-hmm. time. It really did. Is there a
1: danger in that though? Because then you're going to be basing how you feel on how successful your most recent project is. I mean that—that that seems like a recipe for disaster if you can't keep those plates spinning.
2: I don't. I think yeah. I I, I don't consider it a danger. It's my only choice. That danger is what is making me keep going. Like S- Sunday, I was like trying to write on Sunday and everybody was bothering me. And I was, I was just like flipped out. I was like, I I, I have to do this. I, I don't know why, but I need to make the next movie. It needs to be done. And I'm not going to be satisfied until it's done. And um, then I was, a I was a real bear to my whole family. I was like, everybody out. I can't get out of here. get out of the room, get out of the office. I'm trying to, I'm trying to fucking think. And uh, you know, I, you know, talking to you now, it does, it makes, it makes me feel silly, but yeah, I do, I do use that to drive me to, to the fear. To, the, yeah, yeah. yeah, I use the, the danger to drive me that the fear that I'll be my father, the fear that I'll only make one movie that just a few people saw. Do you ever worry that you'll become
1: the disconnected self-absorbed father that your dad was in trying to pursue that? I mean, did you have any moment of self-awareness that, uh, were your kids trying to connect you
2: or were they just doing their own thing well, and they were being loud? Well, no. I mean, let's, I want to be clear. I spend endless amounts of time with them. Oh, okay. I spend all day Saturday with them. I was invited to go somewhere Saturday night. I didn't go. I took them to dinner. I I rocked them to friggin' sleep. Okay. How you know? old are they? They're eight and five. Okay. And they're very attached to me. And then Sunday, I have them from eight to two, and then at two, I was like, "I am doing this thing, and my wife took off or or you're when your wife are still together, yeah, though. we're still together okay, yeah, 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 yeah we so the movie is you know half true and half not okay, and um but it's very detailed, in it's portrayal of marriage
1: and a yeah. relationship are you and, married i am oh yeah okay. how long have you been married?" Uh we've been living together since 88. Yeah, Been married since 95. Yeah. And so the I thought the 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 portrayal was uh, very nuanced in terms of how people bring their own how we filter everything the reality of a situation through our own shit and marriage is basically how you're going to come to the table and compromise after you've both
2: filtered it through your own shit. Yeah. Yeah, it seems silly that, to to be married. Sometimes It does. It seems really silly. Like I understand when you had a farm and someone, you know, you needed a couple of people to work it. But now it's like, it just seems, but not that I don't love my wife and not that we don't have a good time together. There's just times where I'm like, Hey, uh, be nice to be alone for a couple of weeks, <laughs> you know, but I don't have that. And the other thing that I wanted to speak to too, is like, I am not financially sound either. So part of me going into my office and my house and shutting the door and yelling at everybody to get the fuck out is like I I want them to go to college. I want there's money to be made in the in the city. Mm-hmm. And I and, and the movies not making me any money. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I accomplished something. It's nice when someone says oh, I like mm-hmm. the movie But it's so now the next step is get paid, you know. And get paid because it's necessary for your family's future, or isn't
1: your wife making enough money that she can put the kids through college?
2: now? no, she doesn't make that much money. I okay. mean, it's it's that's. I guess that is the reason to be married is you need two incomes these, these days. days. These days, you do. Yeah. So I'm trying to get there before I get too old. So there's this like clock in the back of my head, like, oh man, you're, you're, you gotta, you got to you got to go. You don't have much time. You already wasted. Fifteen years, so let's go. Let's let's back
1: up and and talk about your your childhood. So yeah. you were, you were bouncing from apartment to apartment. You're yeah. you were getting evicted. Your dad was struggling financially to to pay the
2: bills. Was your mom working as well? Yeah my my mom was a house was a housewife, and then my father lost his lost his mind, and he um, he was doing really well. He had a a furniture business, and we had we had like a nice house. And then when I was like five, his business partner was murdered. Wow. Yeah. They came and shot him in the middle of the night because they had borrowed money from the wrong people. Oh. And then my dad had like people living at our house with guns. Living at your house yeah, with like, guns? Yeah, like like living in the basement oh, just, to, just in case. To, to yeah, protect him. Protect us. And, and that just really fucked him up. And you know, he, he's a really smart guy. If he walked in the room right now, you'd be like, damn, I want to go have a beer with this guy. This is a fucking awesome dude. This is a man. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's very macho from that era. You know, you need to watch like, that's why I love like Robert De Niro or Harvey, Harvey Keitel or anybody like that. Like that's my, that's my dad. And I'm not like that. I'm real girly. And, um, so he just lost his, lost his shit and. Didn't want to like go work at a gas station because he was, you know, quote unquote better than that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we had no money. So then my mother started working in cosmetics. She did really well. I was a fat kid. My sister was gay, but no, but like she grew up gay and was tortured. So I watched her do that. That was awful. I mean, what re- worse for her and awful for me because I love her so much. And we just bounced around from apartment to apartment, live with my grandmother. So you just felt like an outcast in every way. It's like every yeah
1: everybody except your, for your mom kind of didn't fit in in a way or was
2: butting up against society and bouncing off. Yeah, yeah. And so, but it, but it wasn't like, and that's the funny thing is like my marriage is, is based a lot in money. Like we live in a moneyed city and we do moneyed things like, you know, if you like, I don't know. When I grew up, we had no money, and I can't say that I'm any happier now. You know what I mean? Uh, Well, I say it all the time on this
1: podcast. I've met, of all the guests I've had on the show and all the people I've met in support groups, I've never met anybody who was fucked up to this day because they didn't get enough stuff as a kid. Right. Because they were too poor, but emotional poverty... 99.9% 99.9% of the people I've met that are quote unquote fucked up or because they were raised in emotional poverty. Yeah. Or yeah. they didn't feel protected,
2: felt, yeah. seen, guided. Yeah. I felt seen. They loved me a lot. I was very loved. I was lucky that way. And my father loved me. He was just like tapped out. He was, he was, he was very, he, I had to like, I was the father in a way because I would temper his mood. You know what I mean, Kind of be like, "Hey, go in say, Hey, what's going on today, Bob? You know, and you'd like kind of get a read on what kind of mood he was in, and maybe he would be in a good mood and you'd want to like throw a baseball, but then maybe not.'d be like, all right, well, we'll see you around, you know it's just sort of that was a big that was a big thing I remember when I was little, and him just not he just he would just cut he would just cut your story off'd be like, so then I went down to the um." Uh, the basketball court. I used to play basketball. He sounds he, like a narcissist. He is. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah. He is. And, and and so you know, it's just very hard to connect to. I love him. Yeah.
1: You know, it it strikes me as like one of those relationships that you know, it's not to overuse air quotes again. It's not abusive, but there's a lack. Yeah. There's a lack of you know because you just said like you know a minute earlier my parents saw me but it sounds like not consistently
2: no 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 like no. if
1: your dad saw you if it was convenient <laughs> right. to see you and I think right. a job of a parent is to see your kid when it's not convenient yeah yeah you for sure I mean? for sure I think that's I think that's really important because that's the thing then that tells you that you matter because you're seeing your parents put something aside and turn their attention to you right and that's a big, uh, th- you know, I'm not a parent. I, uh, these are just guesses that, I, that I'm throwing out like there. It. My dad was emotionally withdrawn, provided for us financially. My dad wasn't interested in my mom was invasive, you know, in a, in a nutshell. Uh, your
2: dad wasn't interested in being a, pa- a dad? No, and not at all. And your mom is invasive. What does invasive mean?
1: Um, just uh, no boundaries. Okay. Creepy, you know, okay. just, yeah. Um, and so it was No just, boundaries with the kids? no boundary especially with me Uh you know just like like she saw me and my body as an extension of her you know what i mean sure um and and (laughs) i was i became the spouse i became the spouse yeah because my dad wasn't there so it was an emotional incest and uh and my dad i think yeah well the, the mom stuff wounded me in a in a certain way. Oh, the dad the dad stuff wounded me in a way too, but it was much more subtle because it was just he gave me my space. Right. Sometimes he would talk, but it felt like you were pulling his teeth to get him. There was just never any joy at being a father. I've never I never <laughs> saw him express any joy at being a he was never There was just it
2: was, <gasps> can I tell you something though? Yeah. And my father was like that too. And that's how I feel sometimes I'm, I sit there and I'm looking at them and I know they're so gorgeous and I know that they're like treats from God and I'm trying, I'm try, I, sometimes I can't get, I can't get it up. I I, I, I you can't not, will,
1: will yourself into
2: enjoying it. I, I want to, you have, I have these little moments little moments and then like for example we tried to go out to dinner saturday night and nobody could agree my kids don't eat anything but pasta and pizza they won't eat anything else so my wife and i are held to that we can't go for chinese food we can't go for mexican we can't go anywhere and so we, we the four of us fought for an hour and a half oh my god we went to three different restaurants couldn't get in Oh, charlie won't eat here why won't he eat here my wife and i are yelling at each other we finally found a restaurant we sat down it was an amazing restaurant called Gusto on Third Street. Never even heard of it. It was great. And then I had like a l- I had about fifteen seconds of enjoyment. At the end of the meal, I watched them all. And that was it. So it's like an hour and a half of torture for that little fifteen seconds.
1: Thank you for being honest about that, because that's a pretty hard thing. I would imagine to admit for a parent, it's awful. You feel like you feel like an ass, but you're like, I, I don't know how else to. You're not the first person who's who has said that, by the way. Yeah. On the on the podcast, yeah. um, There's been a couple of guests, um, that have said, "Man, I I just struggle to be present, and I just feel like I'm failing. You know, like I don't have it in me to be that." that person like there's there do you would it be fair to say that you feel like something is missing in your dna or your soul to be that dad that that you want to be
2: i'm too i'm too narcissistic about work i want i'm so greedy about like i want to write a book i want to make another movie i want to i want to make a tv show i want to I'm, I'm real. I, that is like so important to me and like burning inside of me. So I'm, I'm writing, and I'm also like bipolar, and I have like I just got on medication. So if when I'm writing, if somebody comes in and talks to me, that's it. It's over. Can't go back. Mm. It's awful. And I'm just not. And I'm trying to get better at it. So it's like, Daddy, can you help me with uh, the helicopter? And um, uh, I'm just like. Oh. i had where i knew where this was going I and mean, that movie took me eight years you know and so it, it, I, I really really and then there's other parts of me that like i want to like go to miami and go out on a boat with my friend simon you know like and i don't you know and, and um because those are the sacrifices that you make it's, yeah it's, yeah, you know, yeah yeah and you're okay with that yeah like saturday night i was invited to go to this birthday party where like Girls hang from the ceiling, like, uh, like Cirque du Soleil, and they serve you weird food, and I went online, and I looked at the food, and I was like, ah, that looks like not the kind of food I like. Anyway, so I just skipped it. You know, you don't, don't you just like, like regular food? You know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, you see, like, fancy food that you see in L.A. It's, it's, There's so
1: many times it's it's terrible. I've, I've... We've gone out to a restaurant that's supposed to be great, and you pay four times what you would normally pay for your favorite restaurant, and you go, why didn't we just go to my favorite restaurant yeah. that costs 20 bucks a piece?
2: Yeah. I feel like an old fuddy-duddy saying this. Yeah. Chicken parmesan. Yeah. New York steak. That <laughs> sounds good. Uh, pork loin, or, you know, like ch- yeah. fried rice. Oh, yeah. That's all you need. I think those
1: places are, like, fun to go to, to just, just see what the boundaries of food preparation are like. <laughs> but I feel like after I've been to three or four of them, I'm like, Okay. You know, there are people that like to pay four times the amount for half of the size of a portion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh,
2: I don't like it. But let's get back to yeah. to the... I think that thing about your mom is fascinating. How so, how so? It's so human. Like, it's so human. Like, of course, like, oh, she, she made you her spouse. Mm-hmm. Like, It is super, super common
1: when one parent is an alcoholic and withdraws. It's super common. Your dad was an alcoholic. Oh yeah, and so am I. But I, you know, sobered up. Did your dad ever so sober up? up? He did, and then he fell off the wagon, uh, and then he died uh, of of cancer short shortly after he that. Died of cancer. What yeah. kind of cancer? Uh, lung, and then it went to his uh, his brain. Ugh. Uh, it was a cancer that liked to hit the road. It had the <laughs> traveling bug. Oh, God. He, he, <laughs> um, but he smoked for 50 years he did yeah you know, i mean we were shocked that he lived to be 79 that was uh, i honestly thought didn't think my dad would l- never exercise i never thought he would live to see 70 so um good life but we had nice moments together my dad you and did I, yeah, yeah, when, yeah, when, yeah I once you're grown or when you're a kid he, um until i was like 10 with my dad, we had some nice moments. And then around there, and my mom later told me that that she thought as his drinking was progressing, she shared with me that she told him that she, she didn't think he should um, carry me to bed anymore. Um, and she told me the reason I said that was because uh, I, I was afraid when he was drunk that he was going to molest you. And there was no reason for that. And, you know, the irony being that my mom was the one who was inappropriate and right, had no boundaries and, right. you know, caused all this pain. But my dad, I remember my dad specifically like disappearing, being less affectionate from that, that moment from on. From that moment and, on. Yeah. And then his, but I think the, his alcoholism would have pulled him away. I can't, I can't put that on my mom. Sure. You know. Uh, was he around the house drinking, or was he out? Oh, he hit it. He hid vodka around the house, but I—I I never even saw him slur his words. That's how good he—he he hit his alcoholism. Wow. He was an ins- insurance executive, um, had an office like Don Draper, like Real Mad Men. to oh, say absolutely, yeah. You know? yeah. And um, he was my hero in a lot of ways because he was successful. And when we would go visit him at his at his company. Um, people were like oh that's mr gilmartin's children and it was like i could see that he was kind of royalty at this place Sure. He was, you know this big skyscraper he was like the you know fourth most powerful what person si- what city chicago it was a yeah. place called cna in insurance when you look at the skyline of yeah. chicago uh-huh. it's that uh, orange building it's like rusty orange yeah. skyscraper that stands out i love chicago um, but yeah that was that was the dynamic but i want to talk i want to talk more about um, yeah you and 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 what you're kind of what you're struggling with this may sound like a weird question but you, you yeah. mentioned god before do you believe in god i used to
2: <laughs> <laughs> i think when i was about i think about 10 years ago i was talking to my friend mike Blyden, and he was like uh this is embarrassing to admit he was like because ah, you know you die and that's it and i was like what do you mean?" He's like, you know, you die and that's it. It's over. And I was like, well, what? No, no, no. And I was like, oh my god. I was like, I, I guess I believe believing in God for like a really long time. Even though I don't go to church or a temple, I'm half and half. And uh, yeah, I guess I don't. I guess I don't. I guess I've guess it's just been instilled in me. Being around really intelligent people my whole life, who I guess, I've, drank I've drank that Kool Aid. I'm like, yeah, I guess it doesn't really make sense that you would go somewhere amazing or it's kind of like, kind of far-fetched. Well, I'd know, like to believe that, you know, you go somewhere. I mean, I know what my heaven would look like. You know, for
1: for me, believing in something greater than myself yeah. is about today. It's yeah. about making the quality of today. I honestly don't really think about where I'm going after I die that much because what what's it gonna? I have no control over it. And right. I think part of trying to stay sober is saying what do I have control over and what I don't have. What do I not have control over? And try to let go of the things I don't have control over. And try to say how can I practice good principles in dealing with the things I do have control over, Mm -hmm. and that that's where God exists for me, Mm -hmm. is in the principles of the things that I have control over. Mm -hmm. That's where I, and it's more of a God consciousness. You know, I don't believe in a dude in the sky with a beard. I don't believe people go to a cloud afterwards, but I believe in positive energy. And Mm -hmm. I don't know what happens after we die, but I do know when I can be present and happy with my life as it is today, I can feel a little shot of, oh, this is pretty cool. I don't I, need much. I don't need much at all. And that to me is quote unquote heaven.
2: I think I, I think I could feel that way if I didn't get myself into so far in to a, a marriage and children. And I think I'm so far in that I have a hard time enjoying anything. But if it was like just me and it was like, okay, spent eight hours writing. There's no more to write. Let's go out with your girlfriend or your friend if life was simpler Mm -hmm. but there's so much pressure to be a good father make money be a good husband be a good husband i mean you haven't even talked about Uh, uh, about that uh, be a good husband i mean my wife's an unbelievable person she's that's the only reason i married her because like i i really wouldn't even think to get married but she was so great and so cool and fun and like my best friend and i was like i'm gonna marry her i guess you know do you feel trapped yeah yeah for sure you know have you told her that
1: she got I think she can probably having seen the movie she knows yeah I mean how does, does that hurt her feelings um
2: I think so but it's it's not like it, here's the thing it's like I, I, there's trapped and then you can do something about it or there's trapped and it's like, eh, it's not that bad. You know, I, I just, I would, the other, the option would be to leave and I don't think that would be a good option either. You know? So I'm trying to, en- I try to enjoy things but I have a very, I'll tell you something I really enjoyed. My mother raised me and like your mother, we were really close because it was just the two, of my sister was out of the house you know, living her life. And then it was just us. And it was like, I mean, talk about she'd go to work, come home and spend time with me. You know, she'd work all day at the mall, grab me, come, we'd go to dinner at Applebee's or whatever. Mm-hmm. Amazing, amazing. Like, did so much for me. And, um, when the movie came out, she's in the movie. So we, there was a lot of promotion to do. They, they, uh, they put me on the red carpet at Critics Choice. And my mom, came to that and wore a gown and interviewed celebrities and that was that was the best that was like the highlight of my life really really and she said to me she said um she said oh my god she's like if I if I died tomorrow you know she's like this was it and that was that was amazing But see, it's like, I don't even. Now I'm not even enjoying that. I'm just crying. You know what I mean? So it's weird. Isn't
1: that that
2: enjoying it? I don't know. No. And crying feels like uh, pain. Describe
1: the feeling that made you cry just now. Where. What what was the what were the feelings underneath it it was it was not that you were touched by that or do you feel like there's not enough of that in your life
2: no i just felt like she did so much for me like just bent over so much like oh my god
1: what's what's the matter with that
2: because she was like abandoned like she had no choice you know like my father wasn't around and you know, I just Are you, to to go through all that, and then of course, then there was then there were years where like I wasn't doing anything, where she would call me from Boston and be like, oh, "Well, oh well, keep trying. Oh, don't I'm behind you, hundred percent." You know, and to be able to like to finally do something that had weight or meaning, or to be able to look her in the eye and say, "Oh, I, I, it worked." You know, do you
1: feel like? I finally made her proud. I know that's what she. What she, she was said. all
2: yeah. She was always proud of me, of course. But but, but if, I didn't. If, I couldn't feel that. Yes, I. I, now, I couldn't
1: look her in the eye and feel that. I see. And now you were finally able to look her in the eye and say, "This isn't
2: false." What you feel? Yeah. And you were able to connect and celebrate that. Together. Yeah. Yeah. Finally. Finally. It was nice, you know. Before she. And she's in great health. I mean. Yeah. But you know what I mean? It was just nice that she got to see that. I mean, like, she went she went to Jimmy Pardo's podcast mm-hmm. and, and just the minute she walked in, he just started railing on her. And it was she loved it. Absolute best. She's I'm gonna put Jason, if your mom talks again, I'm gonna punch her in the face. <laughs> <laughs> and she loved it. Yeah, she loved it
1: because you know that you know that. Was like, he doing a show in Boston or here?
2: No, I I went and did his podcast. Uh, there was like a week. My mom was here to see the premiere, okay, and to do all these things. Like she went to SiriusXM XM with me. I just brought her everywhere. I was like, I'm bring, I'm You're coming, you know. And was it... were you doing that because you wanted her
1: to be there or you wanted her to feel a part of or both?
2: Uh, I yeah, I I wanted her to. I know, I know that if she could do her life over again, she would have been like a publicist or a producer. Or she just loves that. I she just loves what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, she. I swear to God, by the end of the week, she was asking me. She's like, "How hard is it to get a podcast? I mean," <laughs> and, I, and I was like, I, "You could probably do it. I mean, I'm sure yeah. you could do it." She's like, "Well, me and my friend Paula, you know, we sit around and we talk a lot." And I was like, "Yeah, you should do it." So I just, I just know that she would have loved to have done what we do. So it was just great. It was just great to take her, take her to meet Greg Fitzsimmons. You know, she was on the red carpet and like, and she was, she was uh, useful. So my job on the red carpet was to grab celebrities and I was failing like to talk to RuPaul. RuPaul wouldn't come over. My mother just started grabbing people by the hand and bringing them over. She grabs Colin Hanks by the hand. Brings him to my booth, and he's like, "Hey, your mom said I had to come over here," <laughs> and I was like, "Oh yeah, 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 okay. Can you shoot this quick video?" Isn't it funny how moms <laughs> still
1: have like this power over us, <laughs> right. where it's like, come on. "Oh, I can't t- say no to yeah. it." No,
2: it's his mom. No, couldn't. T- Laura Prepon, uh, uh, Billy Bob Thornton, but, you know, they're just like, "Hey, yeah, yeah." So that was that was something I enjoyed. I enjoy going out with, with males a lot. I love going out with my guy friends. I don't like talking about remodeling. I don't like talking about grown up stuff. It's boring. I don't know how you find it. Do you like to remodel and stuff like that?
1: No. I don't like No, if you all. looked at our house, you would say, oh, clearly he doesn't like to talk about remodeling. Right. <laughs> I mean, our, we, with the exception of uh, two rooms in our house, we have not repainted our house since we bought it uh, 20 years ago. My wife is
2: so into the house. Mo- I, I, moves furniture around all the time.
1: There was a question I wanted to... Sorry. No, that's okay. Um... talk about bipolar
2: when were you diagnosed i last year i started like i think i did a lot of drugs and i think it i think it fucked my brain up and uh did a lot of drugs previous to that or last year oh no no no, like you know for the last 10 years i did a lot of drugs like a lot of uh speedy drugs and uh and so by around last year I started like my whole front of my head would be blacked out by like seven o'clock. I'd have like a crazy headache or I'd be just insane. I would just be insane if somebody was trying to, and I I was also trying to finish the movie and, and if somebody talked to me, I would just be like I can not can not I c I can't c I can't. I can't. And I don't know if it was the drugs or not. I, I I I'm not sure, but so I just started to be like going to bed at like seven o'clock at night. I would wake up like seven to nine in the morning. Really, you were sleeping a lot, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go to like, like eight o'clock, and then I would have like you know I'd have like twelve hours of the day where I was okay. And my wife was like, "You can't live like this, you know, you can't." And so I was just really depressed. And yo, know, and that was the other thing is, I would have really high high moments. I was doing this app called Vine, mm-hmm. and you know, what you would do is you would get together with a bunch of people and in like an hour you would shoot six vines and they would all go out and you'd be like, oh, this one did great. That one did great. And bah, 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 and you would get so high and I would get so high off the immediate reaction of, oh, more followers and more. This one's doing really well. And, and then
1: crash. And do you think the dream underneath that was, this is this is going to kickstart
2: my career? This is going to bring money yeah 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 and that was great and same with stand-up like you go just i would go do stand-up and i'd be like oh fuck yeah that was fucking awesome wow wow and then like Ugh. and so I, I don't think there was anything blocking my adrenaline um so then i got on the medication and i didn't even want to take it i had these two friends that like pulled me aside they were like you have to go go you, there's something wrong with you. We had, the, I had the same thing. Just go get the medication. You'll be fine. So I took it, and I was at a bowling alley party. I was at a kid's birthday party, and I was hating being there. And my kid was off having a good time. And I was like, oh, I'll just take it. I'm just going to take the medication. It was supposed to take two weeks. And I took it, and I swear to God, like three minutes later, everything just went Like slow, I'm looking at the bowling, I'm looking at the bull, uh, the the twenty lanes. It's like ball. It is all just like, literally, like um, like a wave, from left to right, from you know, slow, like in a good way. Oh, in a great way. Like for the first time in my life, I was like. Like, like I had died and gone to heaven, and then, like, I remember, like, I saw my son, I was like, hey, you know, how's it going, you know, <laughs> and he was like, hey, and everything was really slow and good, and then we got back in the car, and I was like, oh, what do you want to do now? He was like, I don't know. He's like, I'm like, you want to go get yogurt, frozen yogurt? And he's like, Yeah. And I was like, Yeah. And I could drive a car and everything. I wasn't high, high. It was great. It sounds,
1: it sounds like you, your energy was just in sync with the universe.
2: Yeah. Instead of fighting it. Yeah. Yeah. And so now I take it every day, and it's like, it's great really great and, fo- and very f- i get very f- i can get very focused at night i get a little irascible and they upped the dose last week what are you taking i take uh lamotrigine that's what i take you take yeah. that yeah it's g- it's right. generic lamictal all yeah. right yeah. yeah he said to me he goes he goes there's two things i can give you one you won't you won't be able to get hard the other, the second one you will lose your hair and then there's the third one and they warned you about the rashes they warned me about the rashes, but I don't get any rashes. They're like, uh, yeah, if you if you get a rash from this,
1: call us immediately because it can be fatal. And that's, you know, that's the mixed bag of taking meds is because there's, you know, 0.01% of people where it's just a horror story of what they go through with it. That's but what
2: he said to me. Yeah. He goes, this stuff is great. Don't go off it because a lot of people are suicidal. Just if, you, if they go off cold turkey. And I have. I, and what I've happened? That. I got suicidal.
1: Are you serious? Oh, yeah. Now, th- this was the How many p- days? previous meds. Well, here's the thing that, that fooled me was it took five months because I had been taking it for years. Uh. and So it was really built up. And I thought, well, if the problems are going to happen, they're going to happen within three months. So after three months, I felt great. So when it presented itself, I thought, oh, no, my life really sucks. I really do need to kill myself. And I was seriously thinking about it. I have shared this before on the podcast, but a guy in my support group was sharing about attempting suicide in his van after relapsing and blood was spurting out of his body. And he looked to the heavens and said, Father, I'm ready to come home. And I was crying and I was jealous (laughs) that he had the the go... (laughs) He had the, you know, (sighs) the drive to commit the act and that's when it occurred to me oh this is the darkness Uh, this isn't reality and i got back on them and three days later i felt fine and that's when that was what made (laughs) me realize i needed to do this podcast because i was like i was on meds and in therapy for eight fucking years and it fooled me imagine how many people are out there that have never experienced talk therapy, have never experienced meds. Yeah. And they, and I'm not saying meds are for everybody. Um, but I, I was like, this needs to be talked about. This needs to be, people need to be, the podcast to be a perfect medium to discuss this in a detailed, nuanced way. Cause it's, yeah. you can't cover it on the news in, yeah. in a minute. Yeah. Dr. Oz isn't going to get to it. Yeah. He won't be able to get that date, but it, it, it's, It was like going off a cliff. That's the way I describe it to people. It was like going... And my psychiatrist had warned me. (laughs) He said, I strongly (laughs) urge you to not do this. And I was like, what (laughs) does he know? He went to Harvard Medical School. I was (laughs) pre-med and I cooked chicken (laughs) on TV.
2: I said that to my wife. I feel great. I don't think I need it anymore.
1: There's often high right when you go off it. Yeah. So you think, oh, this is...
2: (laughs) What the fuck was I doing on those things? (laughs) Running a CVS yeah. every thirty days. I mean, what do I need that for? Jeez, I gotta be a slave to some lady in a white jacket. Yeah. Then he gave me he gave me a Klonopin last time, mm-hmm. and then I took some of that. It just puts you to sleep, and that's not. good. I don't even think I need it. It doesn't do anything for me, right?
1: I am not familiar I have I've heard taken of that? I've heard of Clonopin but I've I'm not familiar with it. Because uh, you're edgy of, at
2: because you're edgy at night. Huh? Is that
1: kind of like similar is that a benzo a benzodiazepine? Yeah. yeah. You got to be really careful with those man. Those cuz those are not meant to be taken daily as a as a solution to things. I, I think those are meant as like a stopgap thing. Um what to be used every th- once in a while. Oh
2: really? Cuz it yeah. says take every 8 hours as needed that's what no, it says I, I haven't i, I, I have been taking them at all i took it twice well it, it, and it just put me to sleep so yeah
1: again i we're not experts on this podcast this is a waiting room not a not a doctor no office. yeah yeah so totally I, don't I, listen I, I to me
2: to, um i also this, work work out like a fiend so
1: we're going to take a break right here and give a little bit of love to our sponsor uh bulu box uh, bulu box is an awesome way to discover uh, vitamin supplements and nutrition products that are uh, good for you and your and your body. Uh, what Bulu Box does is they they scout out new and top rated health and nutritional products so that you can try them before you buy them, and that way you know if it's right for you. Um, Bulu Box for ten bucks a month will give you a chance to sample four to five vitamin supplement or nutrition products, and uh, like I said, it's just ten bucks uh, with free shipping. They only ship to the uh, to the United States. Uh, so those of you in Australia, uh, fuck off, mate. Uh, <laughs> was that an Australian accent? I don't know. That was actually halfway between England and Australia. That was a tiny, tiny little island. No, it was uh, Inglalia. Oh, my God. I so want to go back and erase this. Anyway, um, Bulu Box is a great way to to discover uh, products that are, uh, are healthy for you. Uh, a couple of things that they've... Uh, that they carry. And they also have reviews for their product, which I think is awesome because um, it helps you know what other people think are good. I personally enjoy their ProMax Low Sugar Protein Bar and the Hemp Force Choco Maca um, Hemp Protein Superfood. Those are awesome ones. And I've asked them to send me some more stuff, so I'll let you know uh, next week what I what I think is awesome. Anyway, uh go to bulubox.com. That's B-U-L-U-B-O-X.com look for the microphone in the top left corner enter promo code happy hour and you'll get your food first box absolutely free again go to com, look for the microphone in the top left corner click on it and then enter promo code happy hour for your first box free Bulu box here's the discovering a healthier you is there is there anything else from when you were a kid or an adolescent or you know, even in your in your twenties, uh, any kind of seminal moments that you feel like were transformative, painful, life defining, um or just kind of etched into your memory for some
2: bizarre reason. Yeah, I remember I remember feeling like uh oh I remember a really bad moment. I would been looking at my father's Playboys. And I remember him rubbing my face in the Playboys. That was awful.
1: How old were you? I was like
2: five, six. Like He was really mad. He obviously could tell I was looking at them because they were maybe moved around. They were on top of a sh- closet. Mm-hmm. That was really bad. He did a lot of fucked up things to me. Did you feel shame in that in that moment?
1: Yeah, I guess so. Probably felt shameful, yeah. Did you wonder why is this such a bad thing that I was doing this? Or did you know that that was supposed to be just for adults when you were a kid?
2: I don't think I cared. I just think I wanted to see it. Yeah. Um, it it wasn't, I don't think I felt shame about the sex part of it. I just thought that that was like a shitty thing to do. Mm. And he would like hit you in stuff for no reason. Spill your milk at the table. Rip your pants that he would do that or or he he would like hit me like okay so like you'd go to school and you're clumsy as hell because you're in second grade fall rip pants so then he's going to pick you up from school and you know that you're so screwed because you have these ripped and it's 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 doubly bad because the reason why he's angry is because he can't afford new pants so that was bad. I remember a couple of moments like that. And it sounds like such a narcissistic way of
1: dealing with it is he can't put himself in your shoes to say, God, he, you know, he might've been hurt falling down. Maybe yeah. I should ask my kid, is your leg okay? Don't... Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. But yeah, he no, goes yeah. to the place of. And even when, even when I like am a, a jerk to my kids, I apologize right away. A, a minute later, I grab him and i like, I'm so sorry. I'm not feeling myself today. I'm so sorry. Let's you know? How,
1: how do they react when you?
2: you oh, they that? they make you feel even worse because they're like, "You're the best daddy in the world." Isn't that good though? It is great. It is great, but you feel like uh, like, oh, wow, how oh, could no, I have mistreated I mean, this child? Yeah, and also like, oh, you don't know how fucked up I am, and yeah, I'm not the best daddy in the world. You know, I'm trying, but I think that's
1: all they want, though.
2: I guess so. Yeah, I, I don't think.
1: Uh, well, there is no such thing as the perfect parent no parents are gonna f- fuck their kids up in some way but i think it's just a a, a matter of how how deep is that wound and i think that the parents that do the good job i think the wounds are just little tiny things that you work through and you talk through and yeah and
2: i've set up i've set up monsters actually because i'm trying to make up for my father not being around so now my kids are like w- what are we doing today where are we going are we going to uh laguna today or the zoo or <laughs> yeah, and i'm like oh yeah okay let's let's find something so to do you feel like you've set a bar that is yeah. unsustainable like we play street hockey in the cul-de-sac at night and all the other parents sit and drink wine and then i play the, the freaking street hockey and i don't want to play but they've they've got they've got me and that's your role yeah that's the you role you painted yourself into the role i got myself in a corner So I guess a lot of it to go back to like what I enjoy, like this is very enjoyable. um, But it's it's uh, it's self imposed. A lot of my problems are self imposed. You know, I I, if I'm trapped, I should leave. But I would never have the balls to do that.
1: But is that the right thing to do? I don't think it is. I don't. I I don't think it is. I I don't either. You know, uh, my thought is unless the relationship with your wife
2: is really toxic it's not it's not at all no
1: then i I, you know my hunch is that you're you're just experiencing something that all parents experience yeah they just don't voice it i i bet we're gonna get a lot of emails from parents after this episode they're gonna say thank you jason for
2: (laughs) voicing my inner life yeah because it is nice to to be a unit and to be together the four of us i mean that's I wouldn't want to, like, oh, you drop Daddy off, Daddy will come pick you up, and then I'll see you on Monday, and then whatever whatever thing that I'm yearning for, I'll forego to, you know. And then the other side of it is that I, I have been to some parties lately, like, like the Playboy Mansion and stuff like that, and and uh, I was really excited to go to this party with like a lot of like naked girls and stuff. And I got there, and I was like, oh, yeah, it's... It's kind of a sad place. It's I, a sad I, place. I got to go there, like, I don't yeah. know,
1: 14 years ago or something. Yeah. And it was just kind of a just kind of a sad... It's not what you think. It's, yeah, it's almost like one of those... Like when you see a movie set, and you walk around behind it, and you see that it's just these... It's just plywood yeah. and two-by-fours. Yeah. It kind of felt like that. Like, like there was a, a, a lack of reality to it. Almost like... Everybody's just playing roles there that nobody's really,
2: yeah, and real, I, and and I, and even when I was single and I would go to somewhere, I'm not the I, I'm not the alpha guy, yeah. and the alpha guy does well there, and I I can't hold a conversation with a playmate, you know. I, I went there to do
1: a fundraiser for a uh, Bill Maher had dropped out of this. You know, he's were big, you doing stand up? Yeah. Bill. Bill At the yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I'm sorry. I was emceeing a fundraiser uh to raise money for a fund that helps parrots because they often outlive. They live to be like a hundred. So they often outlive their owners. And so it was this thing, you know, and I joke that, that, you know, they called to say, "Can you emcee this thing?" It's a fundraiser for parrots, and I was like, "I don't know, my schedule's pretty busy." And they're like, "It's going to be at the Playboy Mansion." I was like, "I'm pretty free." I'm <laughs> and uh, and I joke that parrots are kind of like uh, playmates. Uh, they're they're exotic. Uh, they're beautiful to look at. And I couldn't get either of them to say a fucking word to me. (laughs) (laughs) But I just felt like (laughs) that feeling that we were talking about being at a party with, you know, peers that are really successful. I just felt less than the entire time. Yeah, that's right. I just felt like, why would anybody at this place want to talk to me? Plus, I was married when I, you know, went there. So it was really, it was almost like a zoo to me in in many ways where it was like, I'm I'm not going to do any. Touching or what
2: about drunk Paul? Um, would I that be that easier? Was, would that be a good time at the Playboy Mansion? You know what? I was, uh, or, or not drunk, but you know, drunk like, and single in twenty.
1: I probably would have had a blast, you know, before I before I met my wife. But
2: I was even drinking when I was there, and it was it was no, yeah, it weren't good. It's just it I've was done just, I've done ecstasy at parties like that, and it's great, yeah, because my walls are gone. There's no inhibition, so you're just like. Hey, what's up? And people are like, you don't, you, don't, you don't even care how they react. Right. And then before you know it, you're in like a really deep 15-minute conversation with somebody. And hey, this is Joe. Joe, meet Sarah. You know, like yeah. that's what I loved about drugs. Yeah, it was easy to be sociable. I mean, it, it was a blast. And alcohol doesn't do anything for me. So I like drugs, and um, what's your favorite drug? I loved to do ecstasy, loved it, so much fun.
1: How many times have you done ecstasy?
2: <laughs> oh god, too many times.
1: A lot, more than fifty. No, 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 no,
2: no. Okay. Uh, no, probably like twice a year. So, oh, that's not much at all, because it,
1: it can really fuck your brain up long term. I know, really. I know. I kind of wish I'd tried it before I got sober. That and heroin. I kind of wanted to know what both of those are like.
2: Heroin, I never did. I get too scary.
1: I smoked opium once, and it was one of the best highs I've ever had. <laughs> I felt like I was 16, and I felt like <sighs> I felt like I was about six inches off the ground. It was just really floaty and delicious. Yeah, it tasted perfumey when we smoked it. It, did, it Yeah, it tasted had like a perfumey smell. Where did you get your hands on opium? I, I don't even remember. There was just a friend somehow got some, and it never came through again, and I'm glad, because I would have become an opium addict. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I would have become an opium addict, uh, absolutely. So I that's love, like I love smoking opiates. crack? No, no, no. It's like smoking heroin. It's heroin. what heroin is made into. Oh, right, right. Oh, right. And, and, uh, if you've ever done, um, Vicodin, that's also a narcotic. That's an opiate. Op- oh op- yeah. And I used to love, uh, um, Vicodin and weed. That was a combination. Together? Like, oh, cause the, the, uh, weed would give you the, you know, the kind of super detailed mind obsessive thing and the, the. Opiate would take away the body tension and the paranoia, so it was. Wow, uh, it was a sweet limousine of deliciousness.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I smoked cigarettes too. Oh, still? No, I mean sometimes, but I loved. Oh, you had ecstasy and smoked cigarettes. Mm. Oh, it's like inhaling God. It's so good, (laughs) so good. Your whole body takes the nicotine yeah it's like ah so satisfying so what else do you want to talk about well i don't know it's been good good so far real good i guess i have this i have this urge to get get out get out of my life you know all the time this constant urge we're sitting tonight, sitting on the stoop with all the neighbors and this woman is uh, talking about buying a house and, and making an escrow and everyone's got their wine and the kids are like, yelling at me to play street hockey and I tried to get a street hockey game together but then someone started crying and threw their stick and then my son's like, why aren't we playing street hockey? I'm like, well, there's no game. There's there, It's not happening. The game's not happening. I, I would play. Don't don't come to me. Daddy. And then, so that's not enjoyable. And then I sit down with the adults, and that's not enjoyable. And it was too early to come here. I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, <laughs> I had to be here at 8. I'm like, it's 7. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be there at 7.30 <laughs> and wait outside. You said if I'm early, you wouldn't yeah. be able to let me in. Yeah. And so I just wish I wasn't always trying to get out of my life. I just wish I was. Like, when you go home and you go to your wife, like, I think it's cool you don't have kids. I got to say, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Dude,
1: I watched, last night I watched four episodes of Orange is the New Black.
2: I've never seen Orange is the New Black, and and I just want
1: to see it. I went to bed at 5.30. It was light out when I went to bed. You did? Yeah. Good for you. But I I struggle with the same feelings of, uh, you know, I go through these periods where I feel like uh, a part of my soul is missing, that there's like... You know, like when you see in a movie and somebody has a piece, you know, some metal piece that fits into another metal piece and they twist it and it makes that like where it clicks
2: in. Yeah. It's like, where's that piece in my life? I think it's a primal thing, possibly. It's a piece that none of us have because we don't kill food and we don't like, you know, leave for weeks on end exploring. I think that might be it. And maybe because we've grown beyond the village where
1: everybody's roles were, where you could see how you were deeply connected and dependent on each other. Right. And now it's just you're that fuck that's in my way at Whole Foods.
2: <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Exactly. And I also think because my father was always running and the familiar familial experience was never good when I was a kid that when I get in it, I'm like. Uh, Disneyland, like how is this enjoyable? I, don't, I, <laughs> I feel the know? same way. I was never, I never went to Disneyland when I was a kid, and this is awful, you know. And so that's just my struggle all the time, enjoying what everyone else, trying to enjoy what everyone else is enjoying. Sports, oh my God, World Cup, oh, the, male, female, the the gardener, uh, the kids, World Cup. are you watching are you watching the world cup no i i could give a fuck i I wish i cared And they had a big party on sunday come on over i'm gonna watch the world cup everybody's so content drinking wine watching the game and i'm sitting in the corner like jumping out of your skin jumping out of my skin and then i got, got in the pool and i played with the kids that was that was fun That was fun. Threw them around the pool. What are some of the dreams
1: when you dream about escaping your life? Where do you dream about escaping to? What are some things that you can say out loud and in public? I just like to be on a boat. It's like going around the world. By by yourself, like sailing with friends, just by your solo? No, no, not
2: solo, with friends and new, you know, yeah, new people. New women, foreign people, people from other countries. That's what I would like to be doing. So it
1: it sounds like there, you feel like you're tethered, yeah, and you want to explore, yeah. You want to. What about? Is it? Maybe this is ignorant of me as a non married person without kid or a, you know, a childless person to say. Yeah, is it inconceivable? For you to go take a trip on your own to go explore or something—is that just stupid to ask that? Because, like, my friend Mike, yeah, you know, once he he goes on vacation with the kids, but he'll also go do a guy's skiing weekend, right? You know, sometimes he and I'll go, you know, up to Mammoth for a week, and it's a it's a great way to to recharge. And I'm wondering if. That wouldn't, <laughs> that wouldn't help to, would that just go over like a lead balloon,
2: bringing that up? I just love the one. way, I just love the way you're presenting it. You're presenting it so rationally and it sounds, it sounds good the way you're saying it. And then I'm, if you only knew the other side of it, yeah. I mean, you know, maybe you could just talk to your wife and present this case to her and, and no, no yeah. I, mean, I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe I get jobs in New York and I have trouble going. I got, I'll get like, i like, I have to go to New York for a week for this job. Oh, you don't have to go. Like, no, I do. It's my job. I have a job in New York. I'm going. She's, uh. Does so she just feel overwhelmed when you, when you leave
1: with her job and then the, she's got to
2: yeah, take care of all it's, the it's kids? it's possible. It's possible to take care of two kids. I mean, it, it is and it isn't. It's, it's more of like a, it's more of that initial like oh no i'm gonna be screwed i'm gonna have the kids and then once you get into it it's fine they're fine you it's one person can handle it they're old enough now they're not babies but yeah i mean i hope to i hope to be able to do more stuff
1: you know i think of of my dad whose dream was always to go on an african safari and he he and he had the money to do it he did he had the time to do it he was retired and he couldn't he knew that my mom would be upset, and not, mind you, they're separated. They were separated the last thirty years of his life. They didn't live together. But he was so afraid of hurting her feelings by saying, because he didn't want to go if she was going to be with him. And I said, well, why don't you just tell her that you want to go? I said, let's well, you and me go. And he's like, oh, I couldn't do that to your mother. Oh my god! And I was like, dad, that's you, fucked up. That you, is fucked up, man. You need. Your dad you need,
2: never had another girlfriend or anything.
1: No, not that I know of.
2: And your mother never had another... Not that I know of. Wow. So they just separated and that was it? Yeah, but he couldn't... And he they was... lived in separate
1: places? Yeah, separate places. But they st- they would still, you know, be there together for the holidays. Yeah. They would go out to dinner together. They st- remained married, but, but they just... My dad knew he couldn't stay sober if he had to be under the same roof as as her. And, uh, and he was extreme... She was extremely uh, all... Their marriage really, uh, since I was around, uh, she was extremely resentful of of him. She was. Oh yeah, and would let every. Is she alive? Every, she's Is, alive. She's yeah, alive. Yeah. Um. But yeah, talked shit about him constantly, constantly. Um. But it just broke my heart that my dad had this dream that he That's couldn't. So he was so afraid of hurting her feelings that he couldn't. And my dad never spent money on himself. Really? Never. He would buy a new Cadillac every five years, and that was it. Wow. That was it. Wow.
2: Not suits or anything? No. He was okay, the vacations.
1: least least materialistic person I've ever met in my life, but wow. also one of the saddest people I ever met. Um, would your mom, would her feelings would have been hurt, you think? Yeah, because she's, she's, especially if he and I would have gone together. I think she would have been okay with him going by himself to do a, a safari, but she, she would have been extremely oh, that's messed threatened. Up. Yeah. I remember one time having dinner with them, and my wife was there, thank God. to. It was always nice to have a witness for these things to yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, leave right. there and go, Am I crazy or was that right, fucked up? Right. And my dad mentioned that he was in the Air Force. And I said, I didn't know. This was 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I said, I didn't know you were in the Air Force. He's like, oh, yeah. And he started to talk about it. And my mom cut him off and said, oh, I don't want to have to listen to this again. And my dad stopped talking.
2: And that, in a nutshell. That was it. That's the whole relationship right the there. That's the whole relationship. Is, it doesn't, I don't want you taking him to bed because you might molest him. I don't want to hear your story about the Air, Air Force. Because
1: Force, that's going to, you know, it's... I want to devour him myself or whatever. Whatever it was in her. I, th- I think she she was abandoned so badly as a child Uh by both of her parents Uh and even the family she was raised by in some ways i think she just felt invisible i think she still feels invisible and any thought of feeling abandoned or shamed is just like hot fire on her skin so i have compassion for her but i just can't that's amazing that
2: you've you know you've figured that out about her so you can a long time
1: and it took looking at my shit first to to get there, because otherwise, before that, it was just rage. It's yeah, just rage.
2: I, don't have, I don't have any ill alters, my dad. He was like, he was in like a gang, and like, he was like attacked, and like, you what know, I
1: mean, in a, in a gang.
2: He told me that he was in like a gang in like Boston, like you know, like a criminal gang. Really? Yeah. Like my dad's like tough as shit. Like he like fuck you up. He like fuck people up. Wow. Yeah. How old is he? He's probably like he's born in 44 so he's 70 yeah yeah but he's in phenomenal shape he looks great he still smokes <laughs> but he's got this great way about his life which is he he has um he has control over everything in his life like just a little bit of nicotine a little bit of scotch a little bit of red meat Whereas I'm like, oh, I'll have the tub of ice cream. Do you, do you ever wonder if you're an addict? I you think I am. I think I must be because I have food addictions, drug addictions. I'm fine now. I mean, I don't, I never had the taste for alcohol. And I don't get, yeah, I mean, I, my weight goes up and down. I actually had to, I cut out sugar this year because I thought that was part of my brain problems. That I was like eating sugar to stay awake. Mm-hmm um have you ever seen ray donovan can i tell you something i watched it for the first time today yeah
1: did you looking at the yeah the the dad character did you yeah did it remind you of your dad because when you were describing yeah. your dad i was like that yeah. sounds like the uh john uh what the hell is
2: his name voight john voight character yeah yeah it was kind of like that it was kind of like that you know and he knew whitey bulger and all those people wow yeah it's weird so, yeah, so I don't have any ill will towards him. And, you know, he's, he, we were, uh, we were in Martha's Vineyard like two, three years ago. And he was like, Oh, I want to take you for a beer. And I was like, oh, All right. I don't really, I didn't say this. I was like, I don't really feel like having a beer, but okay. <laughs> I'll go muster a beer down with you. So we go out there and, and I said, I, oh, yeah. I said, we don't have to get a beer. Let's just go. Let's just go to the point. There's a point there in Martha's Vineyard. It's unbelievable. It's like it's it's like a. It's just a point. I can't remember where it is. I think it's in. Uh, it's where all the boats come in, and maybe it's Oak Bluffs. Yeah, and he just said. Uh, it, it, I couldn't believe he said it. It took so much for him to say it. He said, "Ah, oh, you know, I want to say I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry for uh, for everything, everything that happened, and uh, you know, I I." I feel like I, I, I fucked you up so badly and, uh, I feel terrible, you know? And, oh God, I was so, so touched by that. And I said, uh, I said, oh, I said, don't worry about it. I said, I am, I'm so fine. And he said, really, really? Are you fine? And I said, um, I said something effective like, yeah, cause like, you know, what you made me is what I am. And what I, am, I, lo- I like who I am. I draw on who I am in my art and it's made me an artistic person and it's made me somebody who stops and thinks and is emotional and thinks about other people and, but also knows the side of violence. And, uh, and I, I, I let him off the hook, you know? And it wasn't like, and it wasn't any skin off my back. It's really how I felt. You didn't feel like you were being false. I didn't feel like I was being false at all. I felt like I just felt like it was a friend who had fucked up, and you love that friend so much that you're like, "Don't worry about it. It's all good."
1: You know, I'm glad. I'm glad you said that because I think that's really all kids want. Yeah. No matter what the parent did, I think it's. Unless that parent has consistently, you know, thrown that hook out there just to get the heat off and then gone back to the same old ways and they've done it a hundred times and made that false apology. I can understand that (laughs) child saying, you know what, fuck off, we're done. But in the absence of that, I think there's a lot of kids that just want that moment with their, they want to know that that parent really understands yeah to to say i see who the real you is and you're a good kid and you didn't deserve that yeah you know, that's the that's the apology i dream of getting from my mom and i had to lay that dream to rest and, ah. I, and I and i i dreamed of getting that from my dad too but he never yeah. apologized for being a withdrawn alcoholic and that's all i that's all i that's all i really wanted but you I never wanted to say that to them because I wanted it to come from them right right. and I just want to say that to any parents that are out there that worry about damage they've caused to your kids it's never too late man a heartfelt apology and just trying to be conscientious going forward yeah there's nothing that 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 probably can't can't help yeah well that seems like a good note to end on unless, unless you got something else you want to yeah, share I think that's good yeah thank you for bringing it man
2: yeah man I that's really fun. appreciate
1: it and where
2: can people find you I watched it on iTunes it's called Jason Nash is married yeah iTunes is a great place to get it if you have iTunes and, and Amazon if you don't have iTunes uh, is good and that those are the two places to get it. Uh,
1: and a great uh, supporting cast and like a who's who yeah. of of comedians in it really funny improvisers
2: yeah and people uh, Good, all people we know from ECB and yeah. really, really—it's a beautiful incestuous family, isn't it? It's unbelievable, and, and you know the, how nice everybody is. Yeah. Like, talented and nice. Yeah. I used to think when I was growing up, like, oh well, you know, anyone who's talented is probably a real jerk. And then I—I I, I don't know why I thought that. I just thought that that you know famous yeah. people don't have, you know. And then I got to taking classes at UCB, and I was like, the majority of those people are sweet and talented, amazing and, and, and talented, and gentle and, and gentle yeah that's right yeah so that's that was a really nice surprise yeah all right on buddy thank you all
1: right many many thanks to uh, jason i want to remind you guys also um please help the mental illness happy hour stay free to download by completing a a short anonymous survey it takes more than uh, no more than five minutes and uh, your answers help match our show with advertisers that best fit the sensibilities of our podcast and listeners like you And listeners who complete the survey will be entered into an ongoing monthly raffle to win a $100 Amazon gift card. We will not share or sell your email with anybody. We won't send you email unless you win the gift card. So go to podsurvey.com slash mentalpod. That's podsurvey.com slash mentalpod. And I would really appreciate it if you would do that. Um Want to remind you guys, there's a couple of different ways to support our show. Uh, in addition to taking the survey just mentioned, you can go to our website uh, mentalpod.com and you can take uh, you can make a one-time PayPal donation, or the one that I really love because it's the foundation that keeps this show running is becoming a recurring monthly donor uh, via PayPal. Super easy to fill out. You can uh, sign up for as little as five bucks a month and it means the world to me so um, you may not think five bucks um, is worth going and filling that out for but it it adds up and um, it helps me keep doing this thing also if you're gonna buy something at Amazon enter through our search portal and we get a couple nickels doesn't cost you anything you can also support us by uh, going to iTunes writing something nice giving us a good rating or spreading the word about the podcast through social media um, this is a survey filled out. This is the shouldn't feel this way survey filled out by a woman who calls herself yellow brick dumbass. Um, she writes, uh, "I think of myself as gender neutral, so a gender, um, a hyphen gender. Not sure what that. I guess that would mean like uh, like asexual. She is a bisexual. She's in her twenties. What would you like people to say about you at your funeral?" She was a kind and genuine person in a tough world. She made her friends' and family's lives better while still being independent and tough as nails. How does writing that make you feel? Like a fucking disingenuous poser. I'm none of those things. I'm cowardly and rotten inside. If you had a time machine, how would you use it? Check to see my memories of sexual abuse were distorted or if it really was as bad as I thought. Uh, I'm supposed to feel happy and free about leaving my emotionally abusive relationship, but I don't. I feel lost and obsessive. I cut her off months ago, and I still think about her every day. I don't know if I'll ever love someone so much, even as she mentally tortured me for a year and a half. I'm supposed to feel disgusted about the fact that my ex manipulated me into sex, but I don't. I feel like she's the only person who actually knew how to get me off, even as she'd verbally abuse me if I... If I left the house in a short skirt, how fucked up is it that the woman who screwed me over the most is the one I'm most attracted to? That might be love addiction. Um, Anyway, I'm supposed to feel flattered about men showing interest in me, but I don't. I feel bitter and physically repulsed, even though I know it isn't fair to them. There are so many good guys out there, so why does having sex with one make me feel like I'm losing a piece of myself? I'm supposed to feel proud about my orientation, but I don't. I feel like a vestigial... Vestigial? Am I pronouncing that right? Oh, I feel so stupid right now. Um... Like everyone's, like uh, evolution's mistake. I'm supposed to feel proud about doing well in college, but I don't. I feel like a fraud who is pulling one over on everyone by doing well. How does writing your feelings out make you feel? Self-conscious and ashamed. Do you think you're abnormal for feeling what you do? Yes, but I'm probably not, which makes me a self-absorbed bitch. Boy, you are so not any of these things. You are so hard on yourself. Uh, would knowing other people feel the same way make you feel better about yourself? Maybe. I think I'd have to talk to them first. Um, you know, it sounds to me like you're when you experience pain in your life, you turn it on yourself instead of maybe trying to find better coping mechanisms or setting boundaries. Just a thought. Sending you a hug. Same survey filled out by a guy, straight guy in his 20s who calls himself... Um, oh, he didn't call himself anything.
2: How dare he?
1: What would you like people to say about you at your funeral? He knew me as well as he thought he did. Also, what a sexy motherfucker. How does writing that make you feel? Disconnected from the people who I think don't know how much I really do care. It's hard to understand that the person who lives entirely in his head cares more about you uh cares more about what you think than anything else. If you had a time machine, how would you use it? I'd go back to when I was a baby and tell my parents, you need to quit getting hammered and raise this kid properly. You'll see why in 23 years. I'm supposed to feel crazy from withdrawal, but I don't. I feel focused and energetic, but I still want to quit quitting and wake up tomorrow thinking, I'm surprised I survived. Again, I can handle more. I'm supposed to feel happy about my new relationship, but I don't. I feel trapped and uncomfortable. Now I know how my ex felt. I'm supposed to feel tired and sad like usual, but I don't. I feel like a terminator without the bloodlust, living tissue over an endoskeleton full of computers to keep me chatting and smiling. How does it feel to make your How does it make you feel to write your real feelings out? I feel the same as I have for the last 4 to 5 days. Just meh, whatever. Do you think you're abnormal for feeling what you do? I think people are supposed to feel feelings, but lately I don't. It's abnormal to be on autopilot all the time if you're not high. Would knowing other people feel the same way make you feel better about yourself? I know other people feel or don't feel the way I do, but it doesn't help. The light at the end of the tunnel can go fuck itself. That asshole takes fucking forever to get to. Thank you for sharing that. Uh... This is a mild, uh, awful some moment sent to me by Frank. He writes, Hi Paul, I wanted to share with you an awful moment that I did not feel like I had the right to post to the website. A few months back, my former sister-in-law, she's still family, good family, was visiting her mother. Her mother announced she had weighed herself recently and had lost four pounds. My sister-in-law asked to weigh herself on that same scale. When she discovered she had lost 20 pounds, her mother Exclaimed, It must be broken. some. This is a shame and secret survey filled out by a guy who calls himself Brian B. He's straight, uh, but he writes, but I fantasize about she-males. I have zero interest in men. Weird, I know. Well, first of all, uh, I would encourage people to not use the word she-males. Um, it's a derogatory term. Uh, trans women would be uh, a better term. To, to use and um, that it, being attracted to a trans woman has nothing to do with uh, homosexuality. Uh, the first time I saw a trans woman with a penis, uh, I was very turned on and it confused me as well. And then I found out that it, um, I guess that means I'm a little homophobic if I was worried that that made me, uh, made me gay. I don't know. I don't know what that would qualify as. But, um, dude, embrace it embrace it anyway uh ever been the victim of sexual abuse uh yes and i reported it i was molested by a priest at the age of 13 repressed it for years till the weight of carting his shame buckled my legs and brought me to my knees through a year of weekly therapy sessions i have finally realized it's not my fault and can now talk freely about it it's an amazing and freeing feeling good for you man that's awesome Ever been physically or emotionally abused? Been emotionally abused. Was in a loveless marriage for 13 years, but got two great kids out of it. Any positive experiences with your abuser? Had some very good times with her, but it's always drifted back to that loveless feeling. Darkest thoughts. Torturing and then killing the priest who molested me. Having sex with a trans woman. Thoughts of hurting myself where I'd have to be hospitalized so I wouldn't have to go through my daily routine. Darkest secrets? At 37, I fucked my wife's 22-year-old niece almost daily for two months. Cheated on her many other times. Made out with one of her best friends. Might be some some sex addiction in there, which is really common for people who were um, sexually abused as, as children. Uh, he was raised in a stable and safe environment. Um... Sexual fantasy is most powerful to youth. Sex with a trans female, fucking my girl in public, and in a club with people watching. Sharing that makes my <laughs> balls tingle. You might be too close to an electrical outlet. i want to double check that before you sign off in the fantasy. Uh, what would you like to say to someone you haven't been able to? I'd like to tell people off, but I don't have the balls to. Well, because they're busy tingling. What, if anything, do you wish for, for my anxiety, panic attacks, and performance anxiety to go away forever? Have you shared these things with others? Yes. My therapist and some of it to friends and family, but very little because people who don't suffer from these illnesses really don't understand what we go through. How do you feel after writing this stuff down? Mix of good and bad. Anything you'd like to share with someone who shares your thoughts or experiences? Just to be able to sit and have dinner with someone who suffers like I do. Someone who gets what I'm going through. Thank you for sharing that. This is an awful moment filled out by a woman who calls herself Aegon, A G O N. Uh she writes When I was about seven, I confided to my dad how I was scared of making mistakes and failure, F-A-I-L-T-U-R-E. Yes, with a misplaced T. And all he said was, It's failure, stupid, and then promptly went to sleep. Ah a summary of my childhood in one sentence. This was filled out by a shame and secret survey filled out by a woman who calls herself silly me. She is straight in her forties, raised in a totally chaotic environment, Um, never been sexually abused, uh, been emotionally abused. She writes, I got my PTSD diagnosis 15 years ago. I had a little bit of therapy, but I've not done much with a person one-on-one. I guess it's the shame or embarrassment. I never tell people I have PTSD because the first thing they say is why. Seriously, I just feel worse when they ask. I always say that I don't talk about it. Today, I step outside the box. My husband, who I've been married to for 24 years, is the cause of my PTSD. I still love him when I'm not hating him. And he is a good father to our three children, and I think he's a good person for the most part. He was buying sex from strangers for years, even while I was pregnant with our third child. I begged him to come clean with whatever he was doing. He did, and I was devastated. Um, to hide... Oh, he has always been a good husband since then, and has a great job. We have a modest home, and he's done a lot of work on himself. He always listens to my sad stuff and has promised to spend the rest of his life proving he is a good husband. I've always prided myself on my honesty and integrity, and I've been a totally loyal wife to him, although I lie all the time for the man I love and the family that loves him. Not sure what she means in what way she's lying um Oh, I guess by not saying that. His cheating on her has caused her harm. Any positive experiences with the abuser? Yes, everyone thinks he's a great guy that provides a good life for me and our children, and I'm that crazy bitch that loses her temper and acts strange. I want my kids to keep loving their dad. They all adore him and never complain about him. People always assume I am selfish and shallow because they associate my mental instability with me having to move and give up my big fancy house. The list goes on. He's the prince that does no wrong. It's me that looks like I'm ungrateful and demanding. Darkest thoughts. I would like to tell everyone in the world how he wronged me and stole my joy, but I never do because I have the need to protect him. I would like to pay him back and lie and cheat and serve only my needs. My integrity won't allow it, Um, and I uh, know I would feel worse. I would like to leave him to teach him a lesson, but it would devastate my children, and I'm scared they would blame me and think badly of me. I've never forgiven him, and I no longer feel that I need to. I can't stand hearing the word hooker or prostitute, and I almost puke if I can't run away from the show or conversation. I hate being so weak that way. I wish I'd left him and showed everyone what a jerk he is, and he's the reason I don't cope well. I want everyone to know my pain and how I've suffered, because of the selfish man I married, but I choose to protect our children and him. I'm gutless, I guess. Darkest Secrets I've spent a lot of years blaming him, hating him, yelling, crying, and making him feel terrible for the things he did. When I realized a lot of my PTSD symptoms would never go away, I was devastated. I thought it would go away. I thought I would quit sweating at night or having nightmares. I don't trust him. I look like an ungrateful, selfish woman, and he looks like the guy that puts up with a lot of his crazy wife's behavior. I hate that. Nobody ever knows what he did. It's my burden. I lose my head around my birthday every year because that's when he came clean. I have contempt for our wedding anniversary because I feel like it doesn't matter. I hate weddings. I'm cynical. I don't feel comfortable much. I am so sensitive to liars, cheats, and thieves that I don't fit into society at times. And by the way, she she mentioned that her uh, upbringing was totally chaotic. And you know, my feeling as I read this is I'm so sorry that you had to experience that betrayal. But I think most therapists would tell you that the spouse of an addict is usually has as many issues unrelated to what the spouse is doing that can be every bit as serious and every bit as um difficult to get a hold of and to see clearly and it sounds to me like there's a lot of that going in there and you're putting it on your husband not to minimize what he did but um it's i just my gut tells me that if you go into therapy and Really, really give it a good or get into some support group or something and really go full bore at it and try to be open and honest about your side of the street and as well as the stuff that happened to you in childhood in that chaotic environment. Um, Maybe you'll get to a place where you don't feel so much hatred at your husband and where you don't feel as agitated. Just a thought. Um, this is a shame and secret survey filled out by a woman who calls herself, but I'm normal. I swear she's straight in her twenties, raised in a slightly dysfunctional environment and, uh, ever been the victim of sexual abuse. Some stuff happened, but I don't know if it counts. Darkest secrets. When I was seventeen, I gave my best friend's boyfriend a ride home from work. He invited me in and told me that his girlfriend would be coming over soon. I hung out for a while, waiting for her, and he and I had a couple drinks. After a few hours, it became apparent that she wasn't coming over. Uh, and as I was a feel- and as I was feeling a bit drunk, I asked him if I could stay the night. He said that I could take his room. He walked me over to it. I sat down on the bed, and then he sat beside me and handed me another drink. I tried to decline it, but he insisted I drink it, even taking my hand and putting the glass to my mouth a few times. The next thing I remember is him having sex with me. When I realized what was happening, I shoved him off, ran to the bathroom, and vomited. I don't... No, if I was so sick from the alcohol or if it was from the realization of what had just occurred. He told me that we should never tell my friend what had happened, and I agreed because I didn't want to lose my friendship with her. That is the only time I have ever blacked out from drinking, and I honestly don't know if I had consented to him or not, but what he did was wrong either way. Years later, long after they had broken up, He told my friend that he and I had slept together while they were dating. She confronted me about it, but I denied it. I felt such terrible guilt and shame, and I still blame myself for getting into that situation in the first place. She initially believed me that nothing had happened between her ex and I, but a few years later, she ended our friendship, telling me in a letter that there were some things that had happened between us that she just couldn't get over. All this stuff happened many years ago, but I still dread running into her in our small town, I haven't told anyone about this, not even my husband. I think every single person that just heard me read this went, she was drugged and raped. Uh, It's, you bear no blame for that. You went over there thinking that your friend was going to come there and you are... Oh, I just want to give you a hug. I just want to give you a hug. What sexual fantasies are most powerful to you? I really don't think about sex very much. I've been married for many years and just had my first child, and I feel like I have absolutely no sex drive. I know my husband would like to be intimate more often, but a few times a month is all I can muster. When we do have sex, I have a difficult time getting into it. I can't seem to stop my mental to-do list which is super common for victims of sexual trauma. What, if anything, would you like to say to someone you haven't been able to? I would like to tell my husband about the incident with my friend's boyfriend, but I don't want to put my baggage on him. I know he would be supportive, but I don't want to put my baggage onto him. I feel like this would make him feel guilty for wanting to be intimate with me, and it would strain our sex life even more, thereby straining our otherwise wonderfully happy marriage. I strongly encourage you to share this with your husband and to share it with a mental health professional because what happened to you is very, very serious. And not wanting to be intimate with somebody is one of the byproducts of sexual trauma. And what you're experiencing is a normal reaction to an abnormal situation, um, what, what had happened to you with that guy, with the rapist. And um, this could be working through this and inviting your husband into your emotional life and allowing him to love and support you could be the best thing that ever happened to your marriage. That's my two cents. This is an awful moment. Filled out by Dee. She writes, When I was 16, I signed up for an after-school typing class. One day, as I was headed out the door for class, I grabbed a stack of paper from my parents' printer. At a stoplight, I noticed some writing on the paper. To my horror, it was a scathing letter, letter that my mother wrote to a woman my dad was having an affair with, complete with references to fingernail scratches on my dad's back. I turned the car around and put the paper back where I found it. I didn't tell anyone about the letter for more than a decade. I quit the typing class and still blame that damn letter for my inability to type. Oh, that is awful-some. Thank you for sharing that. This is a shame and secret survey filled out by a woman who calls herself Journey. Um, she was sexually abused and never reported it. She's straight and in her 20s and was raised in a totally chaotic environment. Um. She was emotionally abused. She writes, My mom gets into moods where she can't control her emotions. Anything will set her off. As a kid, if I was hungry and she didn't want to bother feeding me at the moment, she'd freak out. Or if I giggled too loud or dropped something, she'd start yelling. Then I'd say, I didn't do anything. Don't yell at me. It would turn into a barrage of how I am manip- a manipulative little shit. Then she'd drag me down the hall into her walk-in closet sit down on her little blue stool and muscle me onto her lap, pull my pants down, and with her special wooden spoon, go at it until she started sobbing. Then she'd apologize. Please forgive me. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Don't look scared. Why are you scared of me? And hug me and cuddle me. I'd be so happy and relieved that she wasn't mad at me. We'd spend the rest of the day together happy. Until the next day, and we'd do it all over again. If she started yelling at my little brother, I'd get myself in trouble. I'd pick a fight when she was in a bad mood because after spanking me and sobbing, she was nice and calm and loving. When it got too big for her to discipline physically, it became verbal. There's a lot of other shit that happened, but I'll just save it for a book any positive experiences with the abuser. When she was in a good mood, it was surreal. It was like I was meeting a brand new person, a stranger. I'd get choked up and think, I wish this was my mom. She has the capacity to be dynamic and really funny. She'd make me laugh so hard I'd pee my pants. She's an artist and she made my brother and I some awesome toys, Halloween costumes, birthday cakes, and decked out our rooms. In my mind, I separate her two sides. I wish she'd sought help. For her mental illness oh that breaks my heart darkest thoughts I imagine killing myself more often than I realize and the thing is I would act on it I fantasize about it sometimes I have to fight those thoughts while I'm driving I think how easy it would be to slam my foot on the gas pedal and crash into those cement walls on the side of the freeway it would only take a few seconds or I imagine stabbing myself cutting myself open and pulling out my organs That one, I probably would never do. Someone would have to clean up the horrific mess, and that's just inconsiderate. (laughs) Oh, you are awesome. Darkest Secrets. It's not much of a secret because I've talked about it with therapists. I know that on the full spectrum of human sexuality, this leans towards the virginal prude side, but I'm still ashamed. I had my first kiss at 22. A few months later, I got drunk with some friends at a bar and met a guy. He was hot. Uh, and we made out all over that bar. Then he and his friends came home with us. He and I made out some more. He got my pants off and ate me out. I don't remember much other than him keeping my legs up in the air the way you hold a baby's legs during a diaper change. Uh, I didn't feel violated. I just felt like an idiot, like a giant adult baby. And I laughed the whole time. I wonder if when a baby's getting its diapers change, it thinks, This is weird. I feel like somebody's eating me out. Oh, do I love not having bosses. Um, what, if anything, would you like to say to someone you haven't been able to? I'd tell my mom that I love her, but she's really sick and needs to get help because my brother, father, and I will spend the rest of our lives on doing the damage she caused. What, if anything, do you wish for? I wish my mom would get help. I wish she'd pursued help in the past. I wish that she was able to love. Have you shared these things with others? I've told her, but she screamed and then sobbed uncontrollably, so it didn't go well. How do you feel after writing this stuff down? Exhausted, drained. Glad the past is behind me. I look forward to the future. Anything you'd like to share with someone who shares your thoughts or experiences? To those with abusive families, I say pursue counseling and don't stop. The cycle of abuse stops here. Please don't give up. Thank you for that. Sending you some love. This is filled out by Laura. It's an awful moment. And she writes, when I was in my late 20s, my now ex-husband left me and I lost my job the same day. I didn't react well. Took a bunch of Xanax and started cutting. Someone called an ambulance. I don't know who, and I wound up spending a couple of weeks in a mental hospital. While I was there, I talked to my mother on the phone. My staunchly feminist shelf full of Gloria Steinem and Germaine Greer books, protest-attending, ms-subscribing mother, she said that if I had not cut my hair so unfemininely short, my husband might not have left me. Wow. Wow. This is filled out by Nick. Uh, she is—it's a Shaman and secret survey. She is straight. She's 17. Raised in a totally chaotic environment. Never been sexually abused. Um, She has been physically and emotionally abused, and it's a pretty long laundry list of it, but I I don't feel it's necessary to go into it, but it's very bad, physical and emotional abuse, Um, mostly um, by her, I think it was, I don't know if it was her mom or her dad. Um, But anyway, uh, yes, any positive experiences with your abusers? Yes, I'm conflicted because they bought, hold on one second. It was both her, both of her parents. And she writes, Yes I'm conflicted because they buy me things and because of the things my parent has been through, including cancer, they even hold it against me when we get in into fights. So I feel like the only reason they buy me things is to get on my good side and so they know what to hold against me. Yeah, I wouldn't cause those, I wouldn't call those positive experiences at all. You know, there's a vast difference between being provided for financially and being provided for emotionally, and the two should never be uh, conflated, in my opinion. Darkest thoughts. Suicide is always on my mind. I would never do it, but it's always there every second of the day. For example, when I'm in my room, I just imagine myself hanging from the ceiling and quickly close my eyes. Or when I walk by a bridge, I can see myself just throwing myself off it, but it scares me and I start panicking because I shouldn't ever be thinking that I should just off myself darkest secrets I've had an eating disorder for a long time now it switched from overeating to not eating at all I've cut myself ever since I was around 10 but have been self-harming since I can remember oh I haven't yeah I've cut myself I don't know if she meant that to say I haven't cut myself since I was around 10 or she has anyway um Anything you'd like to say to someone you haven't been able to. I'm one of those people that are too nice. When someone hurts me, I just go on with my day and don't say anything back or try to defend myself. I just would like to tell my other parent who left me high and dry that they're a dick and have hurt me in ways that I will never be okay with. They broke my heart in ways that can never be explained. I would like to tell my parent that I'm stuck with, that I hate, that I still love you, that I'm so pissed at the fact that I'm scared of you yet scared to leave you. What, if anything, do you wish for? I wish that I never existed. I wish that the only people who ever treated me like a human being and like I was important to them were still here and not six feet under. I wish I could make my parent happy. I wish I could make everyone happy and proud and help everyone that I ever let down. I just wish I could make this world a better place. Have you shared these things with others? A few people I thought I could trust and only one of those people actually made me feel like the way I felt was okay and that I wasn't just a lunatic who was overly sensitive, but they have recently passed. How do you feel after writing these things down? I still feel the same because I know that after I'm done writing this, I'm still going to be me and still going to have my life and my problems will still be here, but it's nice to write them down, I guess. Nick. You're 17 and I think, I, I pray that you're able to soon leave this house and this insanity and this abuse. You're not going to be able to change those parents. The important thing to focus on is talking to somebody who's equipped to listen to you share about your pain that is very real. that You are not exaggerating. And, um, and you deserve, you deserve happiness and it is there for you. It's just going to take some work. Hang in there. You're not alone in that. This is a happy moment filled out by, um, Nick, different Nick. That Nick was N I C K. This Nick is N I C and she's 23 and her happy moment, um, She writes, In an effort to get out of the house more often, I have taken up going for walks again. I typically head out the door with my headphones on, volume blasting, and silently mouthing the lyrics as I go. Some days I stop my silent singing when I approach people, but lately I've been trying to continue with my habit because I like doing it and I want to work on being less influenced by the opinions of people I don't even know. Anyway, I was out on a Saturday evening and heading down a quiet little lane where the street is paved with bricks. It had rained recently and I was caught off guard by a little snail crossing the sidewalk in front of me. I wanted to stop and look at this little fellow, but was concerned another pedestrian might pass by and think something of it. I only got two steps past the snail when I decided, fuck it, I want to see that snail. So I turned around and knelt next to it, trying to encourage it to climb up my index finger. It didn't like the idea, but kept cruising the way it wanted to go. I stayed for a couple of minutes observing its amazingly colored spiral shell, still glossy and shining from the day's rain showers. Eventually deciding to continue on myself, I took a couple steps forward and caught up with the lyrics of the song I was listening to when I realized a group of guys had been sitting on their porch watching me. I managed to keep walking, staring right back at them and continued to silently sing along with the song I was listening to. And when I was past them, I didn't even care about their impression. I realized I was having a good time. So fuck the rest. It made me absolutely giddy for the rest of my walk. God, that is so beautiful. And that is so moments like that are so attainable for us every day. And um, we think that, you know, oh, we got to get a promotion at work, or we got to find the perfect partner, or we have to get everybody, you know, that isn't happy with us to be happy with us. And um, that's just, I love reading stuff like that. So thank you for that. I want to, uh, I normally don't like telling joke jokes, but uh, somebody, I think Dina, listener Dina sent me this video of this grandmother. Uh, sharing this joke with her grandson. Her grandson is in his 20s so it wasn't inappropriate but the joke goes um, the little boy is sitting on his grandfather's lap and the grandfather's smoking a cigar and the grandfather uh, the little boy says uh, Grandpa can I have a cigar? And the grandfather says does, do, does your dick reach your asshole? And the little boy says no. And the grandfather says well then you can't have a cigar. And the next day they're sitting on the porch and the grandfather's having a beer He says, Grandpa, can I have a beer? And uh, Grandpa says, does your dick reach your asshole? And the little boy says, no. He says, then you can't have a beer. The next day, they're on the porch again. And the uh, little boy has a plate of cookies. And Grandpa says, can I have one of your cookies? And the little boy says, does your dick reach your asshole? And Grandpa says, yes. And the kid said, well, go fuck yourself. Grandma made these for me. hope you enjoyed that i hope you enjoyed this episode and i hope if you're out there you know that uh, you are most definitely not alone that help is available if you're willing to get out of your comfort zone and and ask for it and uh, thanks for listening everybody i know is
2: bizarrely beautifully fucked up in some weird way bizarrely beautifully everybody fucked up in some weird way